I want to invite you to stand with me and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We've been talking about prayer, and some of you have been working through your books, so you may be a little ahead of us because we missed last week. But I want to read to you today, and I want us to get some, some ideas about prayer in our, in our minds today and let God bring it alive in us. Prayer changes things. That's a very simple statement, but it is, it's packed with power. You have things in your life you want changed. Prayer changes things. That's why I ask you to pray about us being a soul-winning church. That's why I ask you to pray about us being a generous church. Because our prayers change atmosphere. We want to be, you say, I, I want us to be a great worshiping church. Good, then pray for that. I want to see people healed around our altars. Then pray for that. We want to see people with addiction set free. Pray for that. All those things happen. But let's pray for those things to happen. Amen? In Romans 1.20, it says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, things that we can't see about God, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Again, Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it would come alive in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the mistakes I think that we just naturally make, because it's hard for us to comprehend, is, is we kind of see God at times, we almost treat God at times uh, like the smartest guy in the room. You know, he's the smartest guy in the room, he knows more than all the rest of us, and we ought to listen to him but he's not right all the time. Here's the reality. God is bigger than we can comprehend. He's just bigger than anything we can understand. He doesn't think like us. He, he has foreknowledge. God is, is bigger than we can comprehend. And the most important thing that, that I can teach you about prayer, your fulfillment in prayer, your fruitfulness in prayer, will not, will not be dependent on how much you learn about prayer itself, how much you learn about, you know, strategies of prayer or tools you can use in prayer. But it will depend upon how much you know about God. The more you know about God, the more you understand God, the better your prayers are going to be, the more effective they'll be, the more fulfilled they'll be, the more satisfying your prayer life will be, the more peace you will have in, in your life. Listen, I've got some pretty big decisions I've got to make in the next few weeks and months, some pretty big things that we've got to, we've got to walk through, I've got to walk through over the next few weeks and months, and, and I can feel the weight of that at times. And when I feel the weight of that concern, and okay, God, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And I feel the weight of that concern, uh, there's two things that I do. One, I go read the Psalms, because those guys felt a lot of weight. And they show you, that, how, call you to put your trust in God. And I pray. Because in my prayer time, I'm reminded how great God is. So it's not about learning about prayer that, that's important. But more important than that is understanding God. And it starts with the fact that God is bigger than we can comprehend. Do you love getting a new insight into God? You know, a few weeks ago we talked about God being good. And, and as I've thought about that, this aspect that God is good all the time, there's never an evil thought in his mind. He always wants the best for us. Boy, that's, that, that's just so relieving and so exciting. We'll never know all there is to know, but we can be growing. And that growing is freeing and liberating, not just that we grow and how to act. That's part of this process as a Christian, is we, we see what God tells us we should be that we're not, and we begin to let God's Spirit make us into what we should be. That's a great thing. But even more liberating than that is understand who God is and the greatness and the power of God. So where do we learn about God? Well, in this Scripture, we're told that we learn about God in creation. Obviously, look around and, and, and God and His nature is revealed in creation. That's what the Bible says in this, in this verse. As we grow in our understanding of creation, 
we see the greatness of God. The Bible talks about a spirit realm. That's part of God's creation. If you don't see and understand through the Bible the spirit realm, you'll get confused about this world and what it calls a spirit realm. You'll miss the fact that there's a spiritual realm that you have to engage in. And if you don't engage in it, you become helpless before it. If you don't understand that there's a spirit realm trying to impact your children and grandchildren, there's a spirit realm trying to impact you, you become helpless before that spirit realm. Listen to what it says in, first, in Romans 1.20 again. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Somebody will say from time to time, well, what about people who've never read the Bible? Well, just because they haven't read the Bible doesn't mean they can't learn a lot about God. We need to read the Bible. But if you don't have a Bible, there's a lot of things you can know about God. Do you know God likes variety? I'll tell you. Uh, can, I, can, can I confess some things? It drives me crazy. Please don't do this to me. Don't, don't come up after we do some different thing musically in church and go, I don't like that. Well, so what? Somebody else does. And enjoy and, and celebrate. You know, celebrate. It's, the music's not about you. It's about glorifying God. God likes variety. God likes variety. Look at, look at all of us. Look at the way we all look. We don't all look the same. We don't have, we don't have the same color of hair, same color of eyes, or we don't all have the same shaped body. God likes variety. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful? I only like skinny people. Aren't you glad God doesn't think like that? I'd be in big trouble. I, you know, I'm glad God doesn't think that way. I'm glad that God doesn't sit and say, I only like this color of people or that color. God loves all people. He likes variety. And, and we need to embrace this, that God likes variety. He likes these things that are, that are different. Here's the other thing. God likes organization. He's organized. You know, look, look at the universe Study it just a little bit. Look at nature. Look at how things happen. God likes organization. He puts things in order. Look at our bodies. You know, it was through this idea that God likes organization that men begin to think, if God likes organization, then we can study the human body and learn how to deal with its weaknesses. Because it's gonna, there's going to be some consistency here because God's organized. You know, we sit and look at us today, all of our hearts are in just about the same place. None of us have our hearts down in our knee. You know, God's organized us. Our eyes are right here in our head. They're not, you know, in our hand. Oh, I've got to see things. I've got to hold my hand up. We're, we're, God likes this, this, this aspect of organization. And whenever I hear people look at me and say, I don't like the organized church, I just, I, I tell you, I just want to roll my eyes and walk away. <laughs> you know, you look, at the, look, at, look at the Bible, friend. The Bible, almost all of the New Testament is about how the church is supposed to be organized. About pastors and teachers and prophets and, you know, giftings and, you know, elders. All this stuff is laid out in the Bible to show how the church is supposed to be organized. You know what they really don't, you know what I hear when they say I don't like the organized church? Here's what I hear. I don't like to sacrifice my life at all. Don't tell me when I need to be someplace. I don't like any intrusion on my life, and I don't want anybody to put any expectations. What they're saying is I want to be the ruler of my own life. That's what they're really saying. And, and I just really, you pray for me, because I have very little patience for it. Listen, we look at creation and we understand this. God is creative. God's creative. You know, I, 
I love to hear Dennis play the guitar because it's a reflection of God's creation flowing through him. I love to hear some of our singers sing. It's, a, it's the gifting of God's creation in them. I, I, I love some of the things you see our children do in children's work. It's the gifting of God, God's creativity within us. And every now and then they say, oh, I'm just not creative. I say, pray then. God will make you creative. He'll give you creative things. He'll stir with you because it's in his nature to be creative. Say, God, show me how to, how to do this. And, and, and here's the other thing we learn when we look at, look at the world. God is powerful. God is powerful. He spoke all this into existence. You think your problem's big? Go try to hang a star in the sky. <laughs> you know, you think you got an issue to overcome? You know, go, go try to put an ocean in place. God does it by his power. So, uh, we learn a lot about God just in nature. And to me, it takes a lot more faith to not believe in God than to believe in God. If I'm outside walking around and I see a stone out of place or I see something out of place outside that needs to be moved, I think, well, that, that, that's probably an accident. We just need to fix it, get it back in place. But if I'm walking down around outside and I, you know, I find a Rolex watch laying out there, I don't stand there and say, oh, I wonder how that got put together. How did that? That was probably an accident that that thing just suddenly popped into being. You know, it just, it's just kind of created. It's just over the course of time and, you know, millions of years and suddenly now here in our parking lot's a Rolex watch. I mean, that, that's just, that, that's just mind-blowing to me. The evidence of design tells us that there has to be a designer, that somebody put all of this in place. That's just common law. It's just common fact. It's common truth. These things don't evolve. They just, somebody has to make them involved. Doesn't have, you know, a, a Rolex watch is not going to appear up here on its own in a million years. If you put, if there's a Rolex watch, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm saying, who put it there? How'd it get there? I don't think Oh, well, Jenny caught on fire last Sunday, and we knocked the thing off, and it became a Rolex watch. <laughs> if, you don't, if you weren't in first service, you may not know what I'm talking about. And you can be praying for me because I have one of those packs in my pocket right now. So somebody have a fire extinguisher ready just in case, please. There's another way to see God, and that's we see His greatness. And we see God's greatness in nature in, in the incarnation of Jesus. In other words, when God came to earth and became a human being, incarnation means became flesh. When the Word became flesh, we see the love and the greatness of God. And John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, he came to seek and save us. He came because we were dead. Our spirits were separated from God, and we were on our own and making a giant mess of things, and we're going to end up in eternity without God. Jesus came so our spirits could be reborn. We could be born again, have new connection with God, begin to straighten our lives out and have an eternal home with, with God. When we study Jesus, we're studying God. We're learning about God. We're learning that God loves us and has a kingdom for us that is heavenly, and we learn that he hears our prayers. We see the greatness of God in the working of Jesus, and we see the greatness of God in the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we are open to the Holy Spirit, we let his power change us. We let his presence take us from what we are into what we should be. You know, I, I shared this with some folks tonight. I share this with people now. They, they say, you know, talk about who we are. I say, listen, I am a selfish, manipulative hedonist. That's who I am. Well, pastor, you're not. No, that's exactly what I am until Jesus came into my life. That's what I would be without the Spirit of God in my life. So, well, that's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Being without the Spirit of God is terrible. 
It wrecks us and wrecks the world. Do you know what you were without Jesus? You know what your life is like without him? Well, I got saved when I was six. Well, good for you. Maybe you never discovered what you were like. But when you discover what you're like, and it's far from what the Bible says, then it's the work of the Holy Spirit to change us. And we look and we say, that's what the Bible says I should be. This is what I am. And they aren't the same. Holy Spirit, change me. Make me into what you'd have me to be. Because over here we're on our own. Over here we're with the Spirit of God. Number two, God is so great that I'm never alone. Never, ever alone. Because he's everywhere at the same time. He's in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. He's here. He's over at, he's over at Jefferson Street with the youth department. He's everywhere. He's in heaven. He's on earth. He's in the spirit world. He's in your and my world. He goes in, he's in our homes. He's everywhere. This is the greatness of God. This is the greatness of God. Wherever you're at, he's there. Listen to what David says in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. He's everywhere. This is the greatness of God. You can't play hide and seek from God because wherever you hide, he's already there. You can't run from God because wherever you run to, he's there. So you, you say, I, I'm going to get away from church. I'm going to get away from God. No, he's going to be there wherever you go. He's the beginning and the end. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, God is everywhere. So that means there's no place you've been, there's no place you are, there's no place you're going to be that God's not already been there, going to be there when you get there. That should encourage us because you can't, you can't go to a place in your future where God is not and you are never alone. Listen, this, this whole idea of loneliness, I understand it, I get it. But what we look for many times is to heal our loneliness is people, and people can only heal our loneliness so much. God is the one who completely heals our loneliness. If I'm dependent on somebody to heal my loneliness, that's a pretty big weight on their shoulders. But it's a natural thing for God. Now, what does all this have to do with prayer? Well, it has a lot to do with prayer because what it means is that since God is everywhere, he's in the past and the present and the future, that, that he, knows, he knows everything we're going to face. Because he's everywhere, you can talk to him about every aspect of your life, and he's going to hear you and he's going to understand. You can be sitting at work and quietly seeking God. God, give me wisdom right now. Show me what to do. Keep me patient. You can be in the middle of family turmoil. The presence of God, God help us. Guide us in this. Teach me. You can be hearing bad news from a doctor. God help me. Strengthen me right now. Give me wisdom right now. Give me your authority right now. So what does this teach us uh, about prayer? Let me give you a couple things that will help you in prayer. One, when you pray... Look backwards to the cross. As we read the Lord's Prayer, this is one of the first things we're talking about. Be thankful for what he has done for you. I'm talking about in a practical way. When we start our prayers, one of the things we do to start our prayers is we don't start them with our problems and our fears about tomorrow, but we start them with our gratefulness about what God has done in the past. Starting at the cross, God, Father in heaven, I'm coming before you, and I look back at the cross, and I see your love for me at the cross. God, Father in heaven, I see your healing power for my sin at the cross. And the enemy's going to try to beat me up today and tell me I'm not worthy of any of your answers, but you sent your son to die for me. 
And if you care for me that much, you care about my problems too. You thank God. for the, And then you look in your own life and say, God, I remember this time. I remember this time. I remember this time when in the past you took care of me. You took care of me. I'm going to talk to you about some problems I have here in a minute. But first of all, I'm thanking you for what you've done for me in my problems in the past. And we look to the past. It's good to start your prayers with the cross because it starts with an attitude where you're grateful. It's a good place to start because it fills you with thanksgiving. And when I think about Jesus dying on the cross for me, it instantly reminds me of three things. And you can write these down. One, it reminds me of how God loves me. Think about the cross. It reminds you. God loves you. Don't let the enemy ever lie, lie to you about it. God loves you. Number two, it reminds us of how costly evil and sin is. And I may want to dismiss my sin as not costly. But the cross reminds me of how costly it is. And three, it reminds me that we are completely forgiven when we ask him to forgive us. Completely forgiven. And I know there's probably some of you in this room where the enemy's trying to, when you pray, the enemy tries to beat you up and say you're not worthy for your prayers to be answered. <laughs> you know what? That's the truth. We're not worthy. But he makes us worthy through Jesus. It's not about our worthiness. It's not about our worthiness. Many of you know uh, a time in our family when we were going through a real crisis in, in, in our home. And uh, the way God's redeemed that has just been miraculous. But at that time, it was a pretty dark hour. And my wife and I were driving down the street. And I remember Renee said to me, I could take you right to the street and the, where we were at on the street. And Renee said to me, what are you thinking right now? And I said, I, I, and I, just, I said to her, uh, I feel like I have lost all moral authority. Uh, I feel like I've lost all moral authority to tell anybody anything. And the second those words came out of my mouth, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you never had more authority in the first place. My word is the moral authority. You're just the instrument. That lifted that portion of that weight off of me in a second. That I knew that no matter what had happened in our families, that we were going to get over this. See, friends, you don't go before God on your moral authority. You go before God based on Jesus' moral authority. Amen. Amen? Bless the Lord. So we, we learn from this. It's a good way to start your prayers. Remember how much God loves you. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, God's, God paid a, says, he says that God paid a ransom to save you. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. God paid, a, paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Do I know how much something's worth? You may think your home is worth $200,000 or $100,000, but you know what it's worth? What somebody else will pay for it. That's what it's worth. You can have it on the market. You can put it on the market and say, I think it's worth, I love this house, it's worth $500,000. People walk in, well, what is they talking about? It may be worth it to you, but not worth, it's only worth what somebody will pay for it. Listen, you want to know what you're worth? God sent his son to pay the price for you. That's what you're worth. Number two, get this, God says he's our father. Get this right in, in, in our minds. He's our Father. Uh, this is the first thing you want to focus on is what, is, is what God wants you to see him, how he wants you to see him. Not as, a, not as a dictator, not as a boss, not as a supervisor, not as a coach. When Jesus said, this is how you pray, he started off with this word, Father. We should call him 
Father. We don't always realize how radical that is because, you know, we're New Testament people. But in the Old Testament, nobody called God, almost nobody called God Father. Maybe one or two times for thousands of years. God's called majestic. He's called the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's called creator. You get a lot of really big terms. Only a couple people for thousands of years called God Father. And Jesus, when he comes, he came to explain to us what God is really like. And when he started the prayer, he said, when they asked him how to pray, he said this, Our Father, who art in heaven, he taught them this radical way of praying and a radical way of seeing him and knowing who he is. So when you pray, do you call him Father? God tells you to. How many times do we say Lord or God or some other term? So here's my challenge for you in this next week in your prayer time. When you start your prayer time, start it the way Jesus told you to start it. Our Father, my Father. Father in heaven. It's a term God wants. It's going to start changing the way you see God and the way you approach him. Now, you may sit here today and say, well, my father wasn't very good. Uh, well, your God isn't your father. Your father isn't your God. God is perfect. He's the perfect father. None of us had a perfect father. Some of us had far less perfect fathers than others. But God is not your earthly father. God is caring all the time. He's close all the time. He's considerate all the time. He's consistent all the time. He's capable all the time. He's perfect. He's with you all the, all the time. Every other human father is imperfect, but God is the perfect loving father and as much as the enemy has tried to ruin your image of God, maybe by you having a father that wasn't perfect, God wants you to get over that and see that he is your father. So we start every prayer with this, our father. He's serious about it. So this week, instead of praying, now Lord or God or whatever, however you start your prayers, I want to challenge you to pray, now Father, Father in heaven, and start thinking about what a true perfect father is. If you haven't had that, that image, listen, the perfect father always wants to protect his children. The perfect father always wants the best for his children. The perfect father sacrifices for his children. God did all of those things for us. The perfect father wants to bless his children. He doesn't want to leave him hanging. He wants to help. The, the perfect father is going to do what's best for us. The way you see God will control your life more than any other thing in your life. And so I want to challenge you to, to, to determine to see God the way he tells us that we should see him. It will change your prayer. It, it, it's how you see God. And when Jesus says, pray our father, he means it. If you only make one change in your prayer life throughout this whole series, I hope it starts right here. Start calling God, not just God, not just Lord, not just Creator, but start calling Him Father. It'll radically change your prayer life because what you call somebody sets the tone. In Romans 8 it says, For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit, listen, of sonship. <laughs> you become a child of God. Amen. And by him we cry, Abba. What that means? Daddy. Daddy, Father. Yeah. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. We're part of the family. The enemy comes, no, you're not. No, you're not. Listen, we have, we have two, uh, we have six kids, 
Most of you know that. Uh, four biological kids, one kid on each end that God brought into our lives in his way, God moments in our lives. We look at those moments when they first walked in our doors as this spiritual birthing and a spiritual birthing happened in our heart with them. Now, I'm telling you, here's the problem. No matter how much we try to tell them that we love them, that they're part of the family, the enemy always wants to whisper in their ear that they're not. Now, they've got to shut that off. They've got to call the, the enemy a liar. They've got to fight that. I share that with you to say this. The same thing happens with us. We come before our Father, and the enemy says, you're not really one of his kids. You've messed up too much. You've done too many bad things. No, go back to the cross. He died on the cross to forgive you of those things, to cover you from those things. You are an heir, a co-heir with Christ in the kingdom of God. You're part of the family. And when you come to him and you begin to pray for it and you get past that lie of the enemy that you don't belong, you're not really one, you're not really in, you're not really one of his, when you get past that, your, your life changes. Your life changes. This passage gives us three very important points uh, about prayer that you need to learn and memorize and never forget. Three ways God wants your prayers to be. If you want to pray prayers that God likes and listens to, and if you want to pray prayers that will get answers, that you'll get answers to, and if you want to pray prayers that you enjoy praying, it needs to have these three things in them. One, God wants my prayers to be personal. Abba, Father, Daddy. Your prayers are to be simple, childlike, unpretentious. We don't have to put on, you know, I don't go into my dad and talk to him in some big voice. I talk to dad. Just what you see is what you get. Honest, unpretentious, unassuming. It's a toddler coming to his father. You ever see a toddler stand outside and say, now how am I going to approach dad? Somebody needs to what should I do? Should I go in and bow before him? Should I go? No, the toddler does what? He just runs in and throws himself at dad. And what does dad do? What does a good father do? He loves it. A good father loves it. So God says, when you come to me, that's how you come to me. If you don't come to me like that, you don't know me. Because my son told you to pray this way. So again, my homework for you this week, and I'm serious about this. I want you to start every prayer with that word daddy or papa or father. Something that puts you to this place of understanding of who he is in your life. Every prayer. Why? That's, that's how God says he wants to be addressed. Jesus taught us, our father which art in heaven. Not our great Lord. Not king of kings and lords. Those are all great things to express praise and worship to him in. But we get to come before him, and I want to challenge you to pray that way this week. So, so use that term. Number two, number two, he says it ought to not only be personal, it needs to be passionate. God wants my prayers to be passionate. For our, our, our emotions to be stirred, to cry out. Listen, God hears my silent prayers. There's no doubt about it. But he also teaches us to cry out before him. And just like it wouldn't be appropriate for you to go into your workplace tomorrow, most of your workplaces, and in the middle of the day cry out, Oh, God, help me! That, that probably wouldn't be appropriate. But guess what? It's also not appropriate to go into your prayer closet and just be silent. Talk to him. He wants us to cry out to him. When we see Jesus praying in Hebrews, it's with loud cries and petitions. He goes up on the mountains and cries out to the Father. And he is 
part of the Trinity. Notice, you know, we cry out. We simply cry out. You know, I, I've noticed this. Uh, I've had, you know, with, with my kids, I've noticed kids cry a lot. <laughs> had Solomon the other day where the, you know, the Super Bowl's going. He just was, you know, he's two and he was just in a state of misery. And, you know, when, when kids are in a state of misery, you know what they want? They want everybody else to be in a state of misery with them. <laughs> So you either go put them in a room and shut the door until they get over it. I did that with my kids. I like, okay, listen, I've done everything I can to help you. I've done everything I can. You're going to stay in here until you're done crying. When you're done crying, you can come out. Don't come out until you're done crying. But we had a bunch of people. So I had Solomon. I took him up the room. And, you know, he didn't like going up there. He cried all the way up. And we sat down in the chair, and I'm trying to watch for it. And he's just crying and crying and crying. They don't, they don't care. They don't care. You try to reason with them, they don't care. I'm miserable, I'm going to cry. They're not embarrassed. It can be at the mall, it can be at a restaurant, it can be in the middle of a movie. They're not embarrassed. They just cry. They let everybody know. They're totally unpretentious. So let me ask you, do the things that stir you that you want God to do, do they stir you to the point that I don't care, I'm going to cry out to God. Are you more worried about what other people think than about actually talking to God? Your prayers are not going to matter much as long as you're worried about what other people think. He says when you come in, it needs to be personal, but, it, and it, but it, that, person, that makes it passionate. Uh, I understand silent prayer. I, I understand that silent, I pray a lot of silent prayers. But there's times... When, 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 I want, when I want to get alone with God so that my prayers don't have to be silent. There's times when it's bursting, the passion of it's bursting in me, and God, this needs to happen, that I want to get alone where I can cry out to God. And I would tell you that as a church, when we have corporate prayer, we should be lifting our voices. Say, well, man, I'm really uncomfortable. Just start talking to God out loud. Just begin. Just begin. Don't be bashful. And when we're praying a corporate prayer on a Sunday morning on a, in one of our services, don't be afraid in the middle of that prayer when you hear something that, that your heart resonates with to go, yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Father. Do that. Don't be afraid to say it right in church. Say, won't people around me freak out? Who cares? what? We're not talking to them. We're talking to God. They don't like that. That's their, that's their you know, problem. That's not our problem. That's right. That's their problem. If God moves, it'll be okay. Amen? So, so this, you, know, you don't have to scream. You don't have to, you know, do a blood curdling. If it draws it, if, if everybody in your whole section turns and looks at it when you do it, it's probably too much. But if it's just an amen, you know, it's okay. We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. But we are calling out to God. Amen, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I agree with that, Lord. That's okay. That's okay. God loves it when you share your emotion. Why? Because God is an emotional God. The only reason you have emotions is because God created you in His image. God shares emotions. The Bible says that God gets angry. The Bible says God gets frustrated. The Bible says God gets jealous. The Bible says God loves. The Bible says God gets in, impatient. Why do you get all those ways? It, it's, it's part of who you were, we were made to be in the image of God. Some, something should make us angry. Listen, when we hear a man say, a governor say, well, in those circumstances, we would let the baby be born. We would lay it over to the side and keep it comfortable until the mom decides whether it should live or not. That should make us angry. Amen. That should stir us emotionally. We should see the darkness and the evil of that in a second, and our hearts should cry out to God, God help us. God help us. Some things are righteous for us to get angry about. They're righteous for us to be frustrated about. 
because we're made in His image. There ought to be some things in life that stir us up. There ought to be some things in life that frustrate us. And all of these things should make us cry out to God. Not, listen, (laughs) we don't need to go put Facebook posts about them. We need to go put prayer about them. Prayer changes things. You need to put your feelings in your prayer. If you don't care much, why should God care to move? God wants my prayers to be partnership by His Spirit. Some of you, this is going to be a big surprise to me. Did you know that when you pray, the Holy Spirit actually prays with you and wants to move and pray through you? Romans 6.26 says this, In the same way, the Spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. See, we don't know the beginning from the end. We don't know everything. We don't always know what to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. God stirs us. We're oh, God, help us. God, move in us. And many times He gives us a prayer language that we begin to pray in. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, but the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So as you're praying, open your spirit to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We often don't know what to pray. So we open our heart to the Spirit. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask. I don't know what to do about this. God is with us, and and he'll lead us and show us and lead us in prayer. When I open my spirit to the Holy Spirit, he's passionate. The Holy Spirit's passionate about you. You may be thinking, God, I'd like to have this, and the Holy Spirit is going, God, they need this. Well, the Holy Spirit may be going, God, they don't don't really want this. They they, They think they want it. Okay, number three, we're talking about this great God and all the things that we look at. When we pray, we need to look inward. Many of us fail right here. We refuse to let God heal us. We refuse to look inward. We refuse to say, God, there's some stuff in me uh, that I don't even know about. I don't know how to clear it up. I may not even know about it. I may be very comfortable with it. And and so, God, I'm asking you to help me do some house cleaning in my own life. God, set me free from temptation. Heal me from There's some things I'm comfortable with that I probably shouldn't be. There's some things I'm comfortable with that I know from your word I shouldn't be. There may be things in me that I don't know, that I've learned by by the world I live in, that I shouldn't live like. God, work in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So let me ask you a question. Would anybody here besides me like to be better than you are right now? Yeah. And and here's, here's the thing that frightens me. I may know what some of those things are, and I may not know what some of them are. But I can't get any better until I face the fact that I need to change. I need to be challenged. That's why I look in the Word. God, shows, show me where I need to change. But before I get better, I'm going to admit, i got to admit what's going on, whether that's bitterness or whatever it might be. The truth will set you free. But first, it, it makes you miserable because the truth is like, you know, the last thing we want to hear sometimes. But the truth is the truth. I I don't want to be honest with myself at times, much less anybody else. But I can't change, I can't grow until I'm honest with myself about me. There's no change without trust, and there's no trust without truth. And so first I have to be honest with myself and say there's some things in my life that don't match up with God's Word. 
And then I look in the face of my loving Father, and I know he's going to accept me no matter what. He already knows all the junk in my life that's there. He's already ready to accept me unconditionally, but he's also ready to move inside of me so that I can be what he has created me to be. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This, here's, here's the truth. God already knows what you need to work on. He's not going to go, uh, oh, I, I never saw that one coming. I didn't know you were really like that. That really surprises me about you. No, he knows what you're like, and he still loves you. But he wants you to bring, bring you in a new level of intimacy with him where you'll be what he calls you to be. So, so let's, let's think about this, talk about this. If you'll learn to be intimate with God, it's going to give you the courage to have intimacy in other relationships too. But I've got to, I've got to seek this and let God speak to me about me. We spend a whole lot of time praying for other people to be changed. But how much time do we spend asking God to change us? Number four. In prayer, ask the Holy Spirit to use you. This is a dangerous prayer. It's a short prayer. I dare you to pray it. God, use me. Use me. If you begin to pray that prayer, God's going to wear you out. You're going to find so many things that need to happen. People that need to talk to. There's a hurting world out there that's waiting for somebody to come. And God's put you in the place. You look around at the world around you and you say, Holy Spirit, show me where you want to use me today. I challenge you to walk into our mission celebration saying, God, show me how you want me to be used in missions. I'll tell you what, that, he may challenge you just to pray every day for missions. He may challenge you to go on a missions trip. And I'm like Paul, I wish every one of you would make it an intentful purpose in your life that you're going to go on a missions trip sometime. But he's definitely going to call you. I can tell you what he's definitely going to do. He's going to call you to give something. It may be a dollar a week. It may be $10 a week. It may be $100 a week. He's going to call you to do something. Why? Why can he do that? Because he's the one that gave it to you in the first place. He's the one that blessed you with your money and your stuff in the first place, the ability to get it. And now he's saying, here's how I want some of it to be spent. He owns it. So he, has, he can say to us, hey, I gave that to you because I want you to do this with it. I want you to bless your child with it. I want you to bless your wife with it. I want you to bless your husband with it. I want you to bless your home with it. Oh, and by the way, I want you to bless the church with it, and I want you to bless the world with it, and I want you to bless all these. God has the right to do that. So instead of, instead of just work, criticize, start praying, God, use me. Instead of complaining about the world, judging the world that doesn't work, whining about the world, for heaven's sake, Posting Facebook stuff about, about, the, about the world. What's wrong with the world? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's wrong with me and show me how to make a difference. God, what's wrong with me? How can I make a difference? I dare you to pray that prayer. It's going to change your life. Romans 6, 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. If you've never felt what it feels like to be used of God, I feel sorry for you. It's, it's better than any other thing you'll ever experience. It's better than the sweetest food you'll ever eat, the greatest relationship you'll ever have. When you walk away from something and you know in that moment God was using you to encourage somebody, to bless somebody, to teach somebody, to help somebody. You know in that moment I'm, I'm doing what God made me, do, made me to do. There are times over the years when there's a, maybe a tough message God's called me to preach. And I'll sit over here and I know it's, this is a tough one and I'm kind of, 
And I'll sense before I come on the platform, since God's whispering in my spirit, I made you for this. I made you for this. Go boldly say what I tell you to say. There's times when I'll meet somebody and God will start stirring in my heart to say something to him, to talk to him, to be honest with him. And I'll sense the Spirit of God saying, I made you for this moment. I'm, you're going to help this person if you'll be bold. If you won't, if, if you won't compromise this, if you'll be straight. I want to tell you, there's nothing like those moments. There's nothing like those moments when, when, when you sing a song and you sing it for God's glory and you walk off a platform or you... you have somebody in your home and you minister to them and you encourage them and you bless them or you take something to somebody and you bless them and you speak words of life to them and as you're walking away, you sense the presence of God going, well done. Well done. I, I can't imagine what well done before God's going to be like, but boy, that's the greatest goal in my life is to hear God say to me, well done. You did what I told you to do. This life-changing prayer, God, use me in the way you want to use me. Use me the way you want to use me. I don't know who I'm supposed to, what, what I'm, who I'm supposed to say this to, but somebody here is listening right now. You need to hear this. The world is waiting. People are waiting for your contribution. They're waiting for you to be used of God. They don't know it yet. They're hurting they're, they're confused, and they're waiting for what God made you to be. And if you'll be sensitive to God, he'll show you. He'll show you. All right, now if you dare, we're going to close with this. If you dare, just lift your hands to the Lord one more time and invite him to use you. Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, we want to be used of you. Father, in our homes, we want to be used of you. Father, in our workplaces, we want to be In our generation, we want to be used of you. In our church, we want to be used of you. And we just invite you to use us. Lord, we're going to forget about this in a couple of days. We invite you to remind us. We invite you to stir us. We invite you to push us. We invite you to, to bring light to our, to our darkness. And, Lord, use us. Use us tonight. Use us tomorrow. Use us the next day. Father, stir. Father, there's somebody here. You, you want to stir in their heart tonight to call somebody tonight and just encourage them. You want them to reach out to somebody they've been estranged from and bring, begin to bring healing to it. I pray that, Father, in all these areas, that we would hear you tonight. We would hear you tonight, and we would step out in faith and be used of you. Father, some of us, you want us to begin to witness to somebody and begin to share our lives with somebody that's far from you. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But you want to use us. And I pray you'd speak that name of that person in our hearts. Let us be willing to follow through on that and be used of you. Use us, Lord, in every way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight.